We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here today. A couple guests for you. On today's show, Brian Matthews of uh, Rivals.com, AuburnSports.com, will join us to talk some Auburn baseball ahead of Saturday night's Ole Miss and Auburn debut in the College World Series. Six o'clock start time for uh, for that one. The winners and the losers get Stanford and Stan- Stanford and Arkansas on uh, on Monday. The only guaranteed day off of the tournament. The uh, the second day that you are uh, there. So we'll talk to him. I also talked to Ben Mintz of Barstool.com. I think Ben's going to Omaha, right? I'm pretty sure. Ben's going on. Yeah, he's going today. So Ben will be there as uh, as well. So that's coming up. Um, also, programming note: you'll get a hand raise, guys, to close out the week as usual. Too, I spoke with Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter about uh, construction, Destin, baseball, just kind of stuff. Um, and then you talked to Jeffrey. Is that right? I did talk okay. to Jeffrey Wright. College baseball, some uh, some NBA. God forbid, at the end we we talked about the NBA draft, but it's at the very end. So if that's going to Offend anyone's delicate sensibilities? They can can check out. That's coming up. When are you gonna? When, when are we running that? Give or take. What do you think? Um, probably will be mid to late afternoon. Carson's got a soccer game at six thirty that I'm going to, so it won't be tonight. Okay. So probably get it done before then. All right. So that's the programming alert. Obviously, some coverage at Grove dot com as we uh, we head into. Uh, Omaha again. First games on Friday. Ole Miss playing on uh, on Saturday. Will conform be set an announcement date? That's on Monday, right? That is correct. Okay. That is on uh, on RebelGrove dot com as well. So all that and more. I like uh, Ole Miss's chances. Do you feel good about it? I mean, I like their chances. Okay. I don't really feel one way or the other about it. <laughs> if I'm being completely right. honest, I don't feel. You anything. feel good about your prediction of Ole Miss? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just right. I like Ole Miss's chances. Walked in, Neil was so damn nervous over his decision letters. I mean, he's just pacing. Uh-oh. What will this 17-year-old boy do? Yeah. So, <laughs> Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford, Blue Sky locations up and down I-55. They're all over North Mississippi as well. 
fill up before you head out of town. If you're driving to Omaha, it's a long drive. You'll need some gas. Do that at uh, any Blue Sky location in Mississippi. You know, you can download the Exxon Mobile app. It gives you 10 free dollars, 1,000 points when you do that. You can even take a picture of the QR code right there at the pump and get instant savings with all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi. Lunch specials, 569, two sides of bread, 32-ounce drinks. And we're coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you are looking for, and he will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today, 662 267-1900. Brian Matthews, Ben Mintz, others join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food be a great place this weekend if you're in town to uh, get out of the heat for a minute because it's hot. Get out of the heat for a minute. You can enjoy um, College World Series, NBA Finals tonight, Stanley Cup Finals I think tomorrow night. You've got the uh, U.S. Open going on as well. So a lot happening. You said have a burger Oh boy, appetizer, a great beer selection, full bar and more. They're at Rafters on the Square in Oxford, also Rafters in New Albany. And uh, don't forget about Rafters on the Water out at Sardis. Yeah, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals last night, which was a uh, a Colorado 4-3 overtime win. So living up to its billing so far. Good game there to uh, to open up the uh, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, the U.S. Open starts today. Is at uh, the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. So yeah, some stuff going on. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it. I just got to looking at this. You know, you like seasons. Omaha would be the place for you because the winters are pretty cold. You get some yeah. snow, and the summers are blazing. Yeah. Uh, it is now it cools off a little more there than it does here at night. Like I see first pitch for Ole Miss on Saturday night. It's like seventy one degrees or something, yeah. but. Starting on Saturday, the College World Series forecast, 96, 97, 101, 96, rain, thunderstorms, 87, 93, 96. Now, I've never been there. What is the humidity situation like in Nebraska? It's not what it is down here, obviously, right. but it's also not like Vegas. Right. Uh, it's somewhere. Sort of in between. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, as you would expect. I mean, it's not. that's not a meteorology rocket science. I got out this morning at 620-something. It was miserable already. To walk the dogs. Just <laughs> Yeah, and the air is so thick. You're, like, fine. If you do anything outside right now, you're fine until you're not. And I know that sounds dumb, but you're good yeah. for, like, 20 minutes. And you're like, oh, no, it's okay. And then, like, two minutes later, you go, oh, God, I'm dead. Like, yeah. it, there's no middle. It's not like if you're exercising outside in better temperatures and you just gradually get tired. You don't gradually. It just it just hits you. I did eight miles after we got done yesterday. And I was fine. And then I wasn't. Walking. And running. Okay. Hmm. You yeah. just get drained so quick. And you can't rehydrate. Yeah. I mean, it just is what it no, is. You have to prehydrate and then keep Yeah, going. and I was prehydrated. I mean, you saw me drinking yeah, I did. all the stuff. You had all sorts of bottles just in front didn't, of you yesterday. It didn't matter. There. So, we'll talk to Brian. We'll talk to Ben. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a scorcher. Uh, Ole Miss got to uh, the College World Series yesterday. They flew out of Tupelo around just after 10 o'clock, got there whatever noon, I guess, whatever time that uh, that was. They will have a practice session and a press conference today, and then uh, have they'll practice somewhere tomorrow. Typically, it's either there's some stadium, some minor league stadium just across um, 
cross state lines somewhere that some teams use, and then or some but some do it at Creighton University because they have their own field. Obviously, they're gotcha. in a in Omaha, so that's kind of the plan for that leading into uh, leading into to Saturday. So, um, not a ton of news. I was going to mention this, and then we probably we'll hit this more over the course of uh, the next shows. I, I, but I, just in general, I I think that the topic of this, and I, we were going to talk about this anyway. Stuart Mandel had kind of ranking college football programs yesterday. Um, finding the link. Sorry. I'm just taking one second. Because Neil said he we, – we, I told him something about it before we even started, so this wasn't on air. He said he really, really disagreed. But I think the reasoning, and I think this is interesting, is that people are being very traditionalist in an NIL area that is not traditional. There's no way to yeah. do the same thing here. Yeah. So – and I think this is a glimpse of national media and what you're going to see from a perception standpoint. I, that's why I think Mandel is importance too strong, but why it's relevant to sure. this, this situation. Sure, he's he's very prominent nationally. So what he does here is he basically breaks down all Power 5 football teams into it's like kings, barons, working class, and peasants, essentially, is, is how he, he does it. Okay. And he has, and for 2022 under emperor meaning up in a category by itself he only has alabama still has alabama completely up by itself how that doesn't feel right given what we know about the current climate at all and because keith carter mentioned this you'll hear it on henry's guys and i think it maybe was the most important thing that he said just because we were kind of talking about stuff and trying to be entertaining otherwise is he talked about if you're Ole Miss, if you're any program to some extent, because you see where Miami is potentially getting investigated right now for all their NIL stuff, is they're in a weird spot because there are NCAA things happening as far as they're trying to investigate some of these schools. At the same time, there's no speed limit. Keith says he does not even believe there will be any changes to NIL for a while. He doesn't think it's anywhere close to happening. And he said, we have an issue here because you can't just stop and wait on rules because you fall behind and that's not doable. You have to pursue NIL and, and do what you need to do. He goes, at the same time, you're constantly getting these compliance reminders and getting all these things, telling you whatever. And he said, the, the middle ground here is kind of stupid, frankly, because everybody's going to speed and just figure out how far and hope and pray and cross your fingers. I mean, that's kind of where this thing is right now, in my opinion. So, I don't know. It's it, it's fairly interesting, but given what we know about NIL and everything else, I don't know how Alabama, Alabama I mean, obviously on the field, but otherwise, I don't see how they're in a league of their own. And not even a little bit. This next list is A, too big and not right. He has Kings, and it's a pretty large list considering Clemson, which no. is falling. They're no. out. Not a King. Georgia, yes. Yes. LSU, no. Probably not. They can get there. Not there today. Right. Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Um, Maybe, probably, yes. And we're putting a lot on Michigan on one season. Now, they're probably good. They're I'm fine, just talking about, I, I think they probably have an NIL operation in place that's going to allow them to stay pretty pretty prominent. Oklahoma, Texas, USC. Yes, hell yes, and oh my God, yes. Like, USC should be up in the emperor stage. Is he doing this just for 2022? This is the landscape of 2022. No, it is just a snapshot of the current environment. Okay, so he, he he's 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 off. missing the he's, he's missing so the off. Point. He's so off. Alabama should be down one. Texas, USC of the teams he's named so far should be up, and maybe Georgia, and maybe Ohio State. I've heard different things. 
and I understand why. I guess I'm just clarifying for people who are going to have this question. What percentage of your ranking as you're doing it is NIL based? A lot. I mean, I mean, I don't know what percentage. I mean, we're <laughs> 50, 90. I mean, is it all that matters? I mean, kind of where are you falling in that? 60 ish. Okay. Like, if you don't have it, you can't win. Yeah, you have very you little ability if to. A quarterback, if a quarterback says, I, I want $6 million and you can't get to $1 million and somebody else can get to four, you're not getting him. Mm-hmm. Since the last time he did it, teams he dropped out of this category. Georgia's the newest team into this category. Okay. The teams he's dropped out of this category, Florida, Florida State, Miami, and Penn State. I have no problem with I, those. I, I mean, I know Miami's whatever you want to say. But nothing's to this point, nothing's I, going to happen to Miami. Oh, I don't think so either. And, and I think Florida's putting it together from an NIL standpoint. What's interesting about Miami, quickly. for that to be the team that the NCAA is digging on, is that they have one of the more foolproof systems because mm-hmm. that guy is giving money to multiple programs. That's why he's like talking about it publicly. He's he's good. Nothing's going to happen. Why would you choose them? It's the NCAA. I mean, they're not okay. smart people. It makes no sense. They're, they're not. They're, they're, this is this is so far over their head. And yeah, name those schools again that he dropped. Uh, Florida State, I would have dropped. Yeah, Florida, Florida State, Miami, Penn State. I don't know anything about Penn State, but I, I would keep Florida and Miami up a level. Okay. Uh, Barons, second-tier rulers, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Iowa, Miami, Michigan State, Nebraska, Oregon, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Wisconsin. Whew, we got Texas A&M way too low. Got uh, A&M in the same category with Iowa. And I'd move Tennessee. I'd think about moving Tennessee up. They've got it, They've got NIL rolling. And if you can buy players, you can win there. Because mm-hmm. when they have bought players yeah, there, sure. they've won. Sure. Isn't it great you can finally talk about what happened in the past without yeah. people – I mean, because now it's just – this is what always happened. They moved Iowa up. I don't know this anything. category. I mean, all jokes aside. But I have a hard time believing they're about to go sign a top 15. Yeah, I know nothing about their NIL stuff. And then they've dropped out of this category down Stanford, UCLA, and Virginia Tech from the last time it was done. Okay. That's fine. Sure. I've got no issues I'm, there. I'm fascinated to see what UCLA does when they realize USC is running, racing past them. And then it's in a Knights category, and it's basically just a hellaciously long list of a bunch of mid-level programs, or at least as he sees them in mid-level programs. So the question here would be who you would move up, I think, as, as we run through this list. And I'll do it quickly because it's a long list. Okay. Arizona State, Arkansas, Baylor, BYU, Cal, Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Kentucky, Louisville, Minnesota. I'd be tempted to move Kentucky up. Mississippi State, Missouri. North Carolina, NC State, Northwestern, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Pittsburgh, South Carolina, Stanford, TCU, Texas Tech, UCLA, Utah, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Washington. Um, this is too big of a category. It's too big. It's, it's, and I don't really understand what he's getting at either because I would, like, for example. Like, like the, Ole Miss and Cal are not in the same damn category. Yeah, like you mentioned Arkansas and then Cal. And, I I, I mean, I, I think they were right. Weren't they right next to one well, another? Well, they're in alphabetical order. Yeah, but. so you, weren't, weren't they right next to one another? Or is it Arkansas, Baylor or something? Arkansas, Baylor, BYU, Cal. 
Yeah, I I would probably put Arkansas ahead of all three of those schools. I would put Ole Miss ahead of all those schools. I would put South Carolina ahead of all those schools. I would leave Missouri there. I would leave Mississippi State there. I don't know about Oklahoma State. Yeah, there's another category between this group. Yeah, I think so too. And a lot of freedom of movement. I mean, it doesn't take a ton to, for, for some of these schools to really jump. I mean. Yeah, and I'd love to know, what are we talking about here? Your ability to sign high four-star and five-star players? Is that what we're getting at? What are we What are we doing? What, mm-hmm. what is the What is the criteria? Level of, of fan investment? What are, what are we? I'm not picking on Stewart here. I just, I realize this is summertime content. It was designed to create conversation, and here we are talking about it. So mission accomplished. Sure. But I don't know that I completely understand yeah. the project. I would have had a lot of questions. Yeah. Kentucky, Minnesota, and Mississippi State have moved up since the last time he did this. Teams that moved down. Kentucky, Minnesota, and who? State. Mississippi State? Yeah. They're the ones that moved into that category from oh, the last time he did oh, it. Oh, got it. Uh, teams I, think, that lost, I think Kentucky's way ahead of Mississippi State. Yeah. Teams that moved down out of this category, Colorado, Illinois, Maryland, Syracuse, and Virginia. Okay. And then sure. the rest are just everybody left. I mean, I'm not reading through The Sun Belt and stuff. Well, I mean, no, Power Five. This is on oh, Power Five schools. Just Power Five schools. Yeah, Vanderbilt's in this list. Virginia's in this list. Um, Rutgers, Purdue, Oregon State, Maryland, Kansas, Iowa State. Iowa State really low there. That's interesting. It's incredibly low yeah, for Iowa th- State. This is why when people talk about the Big Ten and the SEC breaking away and like what it would mean, I'm like, it wouldn't mean anything. You would just get used to it. I mean – We've got to get out of this mindset of, well, because things have always been one way, that's the way it must be. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a life trap. I mean, that, that's literally the equivalent of being like, well, I've always been fat, so I'm going to stay fat. It's just what it is. I mean, that's what I do, you know. I mean, I eat cheeseburgers from McDonald's every day. I I think the landscape's going to change. I think it's going to change significantly. I think it's inevitable at this point. You you can see it. Because when you do, if you follow his logic, and it's difficult to follow completely, but you follow the tiers. If Iowa State is that far behind South Carolina, maybe they just don't belong. Well, but here's the what's the problem with what Stewart's doing. And again, it, 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 it's, as I read the list, this is actually dumb because it doesn't f- follow. It, had he gone, okay, you know, on the field, here's the deal. Okay, fine. And had he gone, hey, no, recruiting in future, okay. But you can, in one breath, have A&M in the third tier and have Iowa State at the very bottom because it has to be one or the other. Iowa State's been a good program. So are they up or right. is A&M up? No, that's like, a great point. That's, the, that's a great point. Like, Iowa State's been more successful than Minnesota, but Minnesota's ahead of Iowa State here. Why? I mean, what do you? And it's almost like, and I don't know Mandel. Yeah. I don't know anything about him. So he might be the greatest guy in the world, and people might go, oh, he's, you're missing it. I, 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 it's not about him as a person. I have a sense here that this is that – just kind of an inability to go, hey, here's what's happening in the sport. Because he's made so much of his life by covering it, right? An inability to go, this is where the sport has always been. Now it's up front. Now the people who used to, the Minnesotas of the world, didn't have a lot of boosters who wanted to pay under the table. Sure, of course. Now they're like, okay, we're going to put this organizational thing together. There's a lot of corporate money in Minnesota. Minneapolis is home to, you know, several Fortune 500 companies are headquartered there. They're going to put money into these things. Yeah. Now you can do it. You can write it off. You can can benefit from it. Sure. 
So that changes the landscape completely. Kentucky's one of those schools. Kentucky never bought a bunch of football players in the past. Now they can. Yeah. So just an interesting exercise there. Again, you can find that at The Athletic if you would like. Uh, we're going to get into our guests here in a minute. We're going to start out with Brian Matthews of AuburnSports.com to talk Tigers and Rebels coming up on Saturday. Before we do that, I'll tell you about Prime Shrimp, PrimeShrimp.com. Use code MPW to get $20 off your first order with Prime Shrimp. Five different flavors, including their two newest ones, the Simply Shrimp that you season yourself. It's great for kids. Or the Garlic Herb Butter. It's a meal in a bag. You just pop it in the uh, boiling water less than 10 minutes from freezer to plate for restaurant-quality shrimp. You can pair it with steak, put it over rice, veggies, pasta, whatever it is that you would like there with Prime Shrimp. And again, get $20 off your first order with MPW as the code. Southern Traditions Farm is a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails. There's a lot to be offered at Southern Traditions, uh, including camp season, which is going on right now. Still got a couple of weeks of camp left. Get in touch with uh, Bowers Cone, Susan Walt at Southern Traditions Farm on Facebook or Instagram. Monday through Friday camps, 8.30 to 2 each day there at Southern Traditions Farm. Brought to you by Bell & Grove. They're based out of Chattanooga. Daryl Oliver and Evan Dial built Bell & Grove. It's a logistics provider with more than 35 years of transportation industry experience. Bell & Grove specializes in domestic freight movement throughout the continental U.S. They can navigate through supply chain issues while also leaning on their partner carriers to get the most competitive rates possible for their customers. In addition, they can help customers design a custom solution for their shipping needs and they can uh, provide air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. For more information, call Daryl Oliver at 865-672-6557. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward, chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures including Invisalign. Call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing available at CorinthDental.com. The latest episode of the Peyton Chatonet Show is up at RebelGrove.com. Also on MPW Digital here. I'll put it up in podcast form at some point today. It's brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for men's clothing. Their stylist hand select pieces from top designers. From work to lifestyles to nightlife, there's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, and more. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. I guess also brought to you by Community Mortgage. <clears throat> Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. So you're going to look at underwriting and understand your market leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. We'll now go to uh, Brian Matthews here on the uh, podcast. Neil spoke with him. So that's coming up about Auburn and Ole Miss right now. My longtime friend, Brian Matthews, auburnsports.com, kind enough to uh, spend some time with us. As you know, Ole Miss and Auburn meet in uh, – the final of the four first-round games, I guess you call them first-round games, first games, there in Omaha, 6 o'clock on uh, ESPN2 for the Ole Miss-Auburn game. The other three games are on ESPN. I'm sure that had something to do with a contract thing. It's not – they're not picking on Ole Miss and Auburn. 
Anyway, uh, Brian, thanks for spending some time with us. Appreciate it. Man, good to be here. It's, uh, you know, when I joined the Auburn Beat, it was you and J.G. Tate back in the day. Man, y'all helped me with yeah. the ropes. So here we are, 20-plus years later. We all look a lot older now, too. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge Butch Thompson fan. I have been for a long time. Um, th- this team was picked – Auburn was picked to finish sixth or seventh in the West. I don't, I don't know, near the bottom of the whole league. Here they are. They're going to Omaha. Um, I watched that series early in the year to open the year in Auburn between Ole Miss and Auburn, and Auburn looked fine. They they looked fine. I wouldn't have guessed they were an Omaha team that day. Um, what? How did how did Butch Thompson get this team here? Thirteenth, uh, they were picked thirteenth out of fourteen SEC teams in the preseason. No no guys on the first or second team uh, preseason, first or second team uh, all SEC, and um, this team is just grinded. And you talk about Butch, and me and you have probably gotten to know hundreds of coaches and assistant coaches throughout our career. And Butch Thompson is one of those guys that stands out above all of them as a guy that you just like as a person, as a coach, respect. Um, he's the type of um, head coach that uh, gets the most out of his players. Uh, they all want to play hard for him. Um, has a great relationship with the people that cover uh, baseball at Auburn has a great relationship with the other coaches in, in the SEC, almost every coach, except for probably one who <laughs> doesn't have a good relationship with anybody, right, in this conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I think from Auburn's perspective, they've sort of taken on that underdog mentality all season, that we got something to prove. They started the bad news uh, chant when they break the huddle uh, in reference to the bad news bears. <laughs> um, um, they had a Bad News Bears jersey in their um, locker room. Then it got in their dugout. And then Bush Thompson's wearing it on uh, Sunday or Monday when Auburn clinched, uh, you know, that uh, win over Oregon State in the, in the Super Regional. So uh, that's just their mentality. They're not, um, they're not, they don't have that number one stud pitcher who's going to be a first or second round draft pick. Uh, their best player, Sonny Deshera, is one of those guys that if you saw him in a bar, you might just sit down next to him and have a beer and just talk, you know, he, he doesn't look like a, a, a finely tuned SEC athlete, right? Uh, so it's just one of those blue collar type teams. Oh, hope for all of us is what he provides. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about Deshera because he's had an incredible season and he's, he's got a kind of a magnetic personality. He's funny. I know guys like playing with him. Um, he had a lot of friends on his old team. He's got friends kind of all over college baseball. Here's my question, though, as we get to this point, because I think we've established that the dude has prodigious power. He has quick hands. He can drive the ball over the park, all that stuff. Why, Brian, does anyone pitch to him? Well, a lot of teams have not pitched to him, especially in the SEC down the stretch, and he had to sort of adjust to that. They started doing a uh, – you know, they started moving the, the the infield over to the left a little bit more with the shift. Um started giving him almost all breaking balls off the plate or, or tried to, you know, bust them inside if they could. And he went through a little period there. You know, he batted four over 400, around 420 for most of the season. He dipped down to, you know, I think, 370, 380. And he had to adjust, you know, to what people were doing, take more walks, be more patient. He, he's sort of done that now. And then I think it's helped now that, you know, you're playing more teams outside the conference. Uh, obviously, Ole Miss is not. Uh, so he's seen a few more pitches, but no. Uh, anybody that throws him a fastball anywhere near the plate is making a big mistake because he can absolutely crush it. He doesn't really have to make great contact or have a beautiful swing. He just has that type of power that he can take it to right center, center field. If he gets a hold of one, he can knock it, you know, you know, to the next county in left field. Yeah, I, 
I literally, if the game was in any degree of doubt, would just do this. Yeah. And yeah. just say, there's no reason to even bring all your bat and your pads or whatever to the plate. Just go to first. Yep. yep. Say hello. To I wouldn't pitch to him. It helped him in the regional that um, Blake Rembush and, and Cole Foster got on base almost every time in front of him. And that made it a lot harder to walk him in those instances. Right. And then Bobby Pierce, who's sort of came on halfway through the season, overcoming a, uh, two separate knee surgeries last year. He's batted behind him and helped him out a little bit too. He, um, when he gets a hold of one, he can knock the cover off of it too. Yeah, Pierce hit a huge one in, in Corvallis that 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 thing might have gotten to the ocean. I mean, he crushed it um, and had a big double uh, Sunday that helped uh, score those two those two winning runs too. Were you surprised they were able to go out there and win, or have you covered them so much that you 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 weren't surprised? I was. I started getting surprised around noon season. Um, was not surprised they went out to Corvallis and won. I thought that would be a competitive series. I did not realize that Oregon State had won, I think it was six or seven straight Super Regionals. Yeah. They never lost a one at home. Um, so when you take that into to reference, yeah, it is a little bit surprising. But um, this team doesn't necessarily surprise me anymore. I, I would not be surprised if they won the championship in Omaha. I wouldn't be surprised if they go two and barbecue, right? From a talent perspective, they probably are a team that doesn't make it past, you know, two, three or four games. From a grit, toughness, mentality, they might take it all the way to the last last game. We'll see. Yeah. Um, what about their pitching? Like you mentioned, they, they, there is not that front line. Ole Miss doesn't really have one either. I think they've kind of developed one over the course of the season. But at, at one point in the season, Ole Miss was just like, hey, we're going to do the whole series by committee. I mean, it just kind of tells you where they were like middle of April when they were just slogging through the through the season. Uh, Auburn doesn't have that front line guy either. There's no Casey Mize that takes the takes the the mound every Friday and say, "Here's the ball, go give us seven two thirds, and probably going to win, and we'll get ready for the rest of the weekend." How have they sort of pieced it together, and how do you anticipate them attacking Ole Miss on Saturday? Yeah, their best pitcher, Justin Gonzalez, has been the Sunday or Saturday starter most of the season. Uh, he's been Auburn's best starter, most consistent starter. Ole Miss did not see him that first weekend because he was um, out with some blisters. So what I think is going to happen is they're going to move him up. He started um, – he was number two starter at uh, the Corvallis Regional, but I think they're going to move him up. But Butch hinted at that. He didn't say it for sure, but he hinted at that um, today when we talked to him right before they left. They got in at 10 o'clock last night, left today at 1 o'clock. So it's been a really, really short turnaround for them coming back from Oregon and going back to Omaha. But um, he is a sinker-type guy. When he gets the ball you know, down in the zone, he gets a lot of um, – Bad swings, gets a lot of ground balls, works fast. You know, it could be one of those games. I, I think in the Auburn Ole Miss series, they scored 50 or 60 runs combined, maybe, maybe more. Yeah, those were, if you remember right, those were three blowouts. I mean, just, you know, Ole Miss won big on Friday, Auburn won huge on Saturday, and then Ole Miss you know, kind of pulled away late and won big on, on Sunday. Yep, yep. So I'm expecting the exact opposite um, on Saturday, right? Yeah. Uh, I think this could be much more of a two, three, four, three, five, three type, type matchup. Obviously, Auburn, the back end of their bullpen is terrific. How how early do you see them going to that bullpen with a lead in a in a CWS game? Their goal is to get to Carson Skipper and Blake Burkhalter with a lead. That's their main – that's their winning combination. That's how they win these games, especially against good teams. So if they can get um, five out of their starter, if it's Joseph Gonzalez, they'll be happy. Now, Joseph is a guy that can go six, seven, eight easy. 
uh, because he has a really easy delivery and he throws a lot of strikes. So it may be a little bit different today. They may try to get seven or eight out of him, just go straight to Burkhalter. But if a situation where they can get six out of their starter or even five, they'll go Carson Skipper for two or three, and they'll go Blake Burkhalter for one or two normally. So uh, those are their guys. They've been their guys all season. They're not perfect, uh, but when they're on, they can be pretty dominant. Um, Skipper was dominant against um, Oregon State um, on Saturday. Blake Burkhalter gave up a run, and in the previous two outings, he'd given up four runs, but then he comes back on Monday and faces eight batters and strikes out five of them or ties the other eight. He, he threw 2.2 perfect innings to close that thing out. Yeah, he was terrific on uh, on Monday night. He was he was I mean, he was nails. Uh, you cover you you like college baseball a ton. Uh, you 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 followed it for a long time. Are you, if I told you before the season that the four teams from the SEC would be Ole Miss, Auburn, Arkansas, Texas A and M, would you have laughed in my face, or would what would you have thought? I thought yeah, because you could probably pick about seven or eight teams in the SEC and say it's going to be these four and feel pretty good about it, right? Yeah. And Auburn would have been the one that, like, yeah, well, I don't know about Auburn, but we'll see. But Ole Miss was number one, right, preseason. They had their little time. I think they were the one of the last teams to get in, right? But now they're they one of the, the last, the last team to get in. Yeah. <laughs> and then Texas A&M got off to a really bad start and then played as good as anybody the second half of the season. Arkansas has been good for I don't know how many years. Um, you know, a powerhouse program now. And then it was. I think everybody rejoiced when Tennessee uh, got a little. Got a little taste of that uh, from Notre Dame too. So not not in a lot of Notre Dame fans in the South, but there sure were uh, this past weekend, right? They were America's team there, man. Yeah. You know, it was weird watching Tennessee because that team's immensely talented, yeah. and and they can beat you in so many different ways. And yet, you started watching the antics, and it seemed like the antics kind of increased as the stakes got higher. They didn't like. Ole Miss got loose in the postseason, just kind of played whatever. Auburn played this real confident brand of of, of baseball. Uh, Texas A&M has played super confident baseball the whole year, but not, there's not a lot of antics there. They just go play. They're very kind of workmanlike, uh, much like Arkansas is the same way. You know, I mean, they, they had some struggles, and then uh, they got some new life in the postseason, and they, they won that huge uh, final game in Stillwater, and then, you know, came back and walked it off against North Carolina. None of those teams do all that stuff, and yet Tennessee does all that crazy stuff, and I, th- I think it detracts from themselves. It, it Forget the way that they're viewed by other people or, or stuff. I think it becomes a distraction inside their own organization without them even realizing that it's, it's a distraction. Yeah, they're, they're too busy mean mugging and tossing bats and, you know, shooting up birds when they hit home runs, whatever. It just – it does, and – and they set themselves up as the most hated team in America. They wore that moniker. And people rejoiced. <laughs> I guess it was Saturday when they got beat. I can't remember Saturday or Sunday. But, it, was, uh, uh, so, saw, it was Sunday. But I, I saw so many so many people from across the SEC just having the best time in the world. <laughs> and Link Jarrett, of course, is a guy that's uh, coached at Auburn. He's an assistant here. He's in Florida State. And I'm sure he got a ton of um, calls and texts from other coaches around the league. Can Auburn uh, keep Butch Thompson there? I mean, obviously, he's a coveted guy. Can they keep him there long term? I mean, it's a great place to coach, but it's not been a baseball program that's maybe been quite as, from a facility standpoint and such, as invested as maybe some of the other schools around the league. Where where does that stand? Well, I think from the starting point, Auburn wants to keep him there. Butch Thompson wants to be there. That's a good place to be. Right. 
I think Auburn has given Butch Thompson some things he needed, not come through with some other things he needed. So they're going to need to step up and, and start, you know, fulfilling some of the promises they made. Um, I think going to the College World Series makes his case a lot easier uh, for that. Um, you look at Auburn and Alabama of the teams in the SEC, they're at the lowest end as far as available scholarship money. You know, that no lottery, no, I don't know what it is in Mississippi, but it's something with out-of-state tuition. They can Mississippi State's got a little bit of, of, yeah. of wiggle room in the state of Alabama. Ole Miss doesn't have anything. They're okay. they're they're with Alabama and they're, they're another one. Seven. Okay. Yeah. And look at Ole Miss. They're they're a very good baseball program too. Now that could change. You know, we, we're seeing the talk about um, turning those scholarships over to the, S the SEC to decide the conferences. If that happens, I would imagine the SEC is going to give baseball a lot more uh, leeway in that area, which would be great for programs like Auburn and Ole Miss because I think the other things are in place for those programs to be much more successful and much more competitive on a consistent basis uh, once those are in place. I mean, uh, fans get upset about this and that, but you know, when you're, when Vanderbilt can offer, you know, um, full scholarships to however many they offer 28, 30 kids or whatever, and, and get these guys that are turned down first round opportunities and you have to compete with them with them every year. That makes, that's a lot different than what Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss can do. Yeah, it's something that I think uh, Bianco has battled here for a long time. And, you know, he tried not to ever – he tried not to use it as an excuse. I think his supporters, some of his backers, would always point that out and fans would get frustrated about it. And yep. Yet it was there. It was real, you know. And, and so you, you, your margin for error was was smaller. So, you know, for him getting for him getting to Omaha silences some of that stuff, at least for several years. Yep. Um, you got a, you got a favorite – is there a team that you think is going to win this thing? That if you had to put all your all your money on one team out of the eight, probably Texas A&M the way they're playing, right? Yeah, a little bit. They're probably the best team in the SEC coming into this tournament. So I, th you know, I would pick an SEC team. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like this is the best baseball. They played against each other. They competed. You know, they've they've had a great um, race, a great tournament. Was it? Um, was it Arkansas and Tennessee in the finals, or was it Texas A&M and Tennessee? I don't it was remember. Tennessee and Florida in the final. Tennessee and Florida. Okay. A&M won a couple of games in, in Hoover, though. Yeah. Auburn went out one game. I can't remember what Ole Miss did. Yeah, Ole Miss was – they lost on Tuesday night and spent yeah, five yeah. agonizing days wondering whether they'd get in. Yeah, but that helped Auburn. Auburn went back and worked and got better and had the, you know, the, the regional of their lives. They outscored their three opponents 51 to 18. And the one thing I would say about Auburn baseball that stands out, like, you know, is up the middle defense. Uh, Nate LaRue is the best defensive catcher in the league as far as throwing up base runners. Um, Brody Moore at shortstop, Cole Foster at second, really good defenders. In the case center of Miller, yeah, the center fielder is a stud. Yeah, he's a, he's a defensive, you know, he hit the ball, but he is a defensive specialist and he can run down balls gap to gap really easy. And he's been doing it for four years now. I'd get yelled at if I don't at least ask you about your expectations for football as they, as we get closer. What just, 30,000 feet. You're, you're a lot closer than 30,000 feet, but what are you sort of expecting from Brian Harson and the Tigers this fall? Well, let's say they don't get any injuries. Uh, the defense could be really, really salty. I mean, really salty. Guys like Colby Wooden, Marcus Harris, um, Derek Hall, they're three of the best defensive linemen in the conference. They've got depth and talent in the, in the linebackers, secondary. Um, so they're really good defensively. Offense is going to be a slog. They got all their they got 121 starts on the offensive line back, but that offensive line has not been very good, to be honest with you. So yeah. good or bad, I don't know. 
sometimes those guys come together and they end up having a, a great six-year senior season. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, they got Zach Calzada is probably going to be the starting quarterback, you know, as long as he can win it in the preseason from um, Texas A&M. You know, how good can he be? Auburn's receiver core is probably the worst in the conference going into the season. We'll see if a freshman can step up like Kendall Brown from South Florida or maybe Coy uh, Moore, who transferred from LSU, can help out. We'll see. You know, he's probably the fifth, sixth or seventh uh, receiver at LSU. But that makes them one at Auburn, to be honest with you, or, or one or two at Auburn easily. Um, so that's the situation they are. And they got Tank Bigsby. So offensively, if they could, you know, be like 2000, mid 2000s when they can run the ball and play good defense and play action pass, you know, that old style football, they could do all those things. Yeah, they could have a eight or nine win season or something. But to me, they look like a 500 type team going into it. That's just my. If, if they're a 500 type team, obviously, if they win eight or nine games, people are going to forget what happened last year and just move on because that's just the way it works. And, you know, you've seen that before. Sometimes a, a, you saw it at Auburn with, with Tommy Tuberville with, you know, there's chaos and then they came back and won big and suddenly he's the most beloved guy on, on, on campus. But if if you're right, and if they're a 500 ish team, will there be too much chaos for him to survive it? I think. Uh, one big thing, to, not one, one, only one thing, but I think a big thing that could help determine that is recruiting. Because last season, after the season, they were 71st in the country in recruiting. Now, they closed good enough to move up into the top 25, which is fine. But they can't be 71st and be 7 and, you know, 6 and 6 or whatever at the end of the season. They've got to put it together in June, July, August, when all these kids visit and all the kids make the decision. They've got to be in a better situation they are taking, they've taken some steps. They've had some talented guys come through. They've had some talented guys on official visitors, but they got to finish. That's what everybody coach says about drills. You got to finish. Well, Auburn's got to finish. They've got to win some of these battles against these other top schools for these top recruits to be in that position. So I think we'll have a great idea in about four or five weeks where this team's going to stand, you know, and, and what they need to do during the season to survive. Brian, as always, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Enjoyed it was Brian Matthews with AuburnSports.com and Rivals.com talking Auburn and Ole Miss heading into uh, Saturday night's game between the Rebels and Tigers, 6 o'clock again, the start time for that one. We'll uh, talk to Ben Mintz here in a little bit too. We've got him coming up on the show and then Neil and Al Gab. Also, before we do that, Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. The one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team, bringing you world-class broadband. That's anyspark.com, 662-238-3159. They also have phone service, parental controls, network security, and whatever you need there with Spark. Again, 662-238-3159. Brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, if you're seeking an entry-level position or if you're a seasoned professional, they've got opportunities across the board. IT, engineering, dentistry, accounting, law, manufacturing, human resources. Maybe you're not even sure what you're looking for. They can help you. Their goal is to get to know you, uh, get to know your strengths, see what you're looking for in your next career move, and help you find the right fit. Uh, it's always free for the candidate. All conversations are kept confidential, so you've got nothing to lose. Get in touch with uh, Will, Sydney, or Kelsey at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website at servicespecialistltd.com. Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors is serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial, 
excuse me, in residential family homes. You can reach her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. Also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, that's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Brought to you by Opa, Oxford's newest restaurant on the square. Euros, wraps, kebabs, redfish, lamb chops, handcrafted cocktails, frozen libations, an amazing candlelit patio. It's all there at 306 South Lamar, just south of the Square Courthouse in Oxford. If you're planning a trip this summer, already thinking about a holiday trip, get in touch with John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. It's uh, All you got to do is give him some uh, parameters, give him a budget, and let him give you options. And no, you don't have to uh, live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or J. Edwards at regencytravel.net. And we're brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much, much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. Podcast that's brought to you by Johnston Hill Creamery, johnstonhillcreamery.com. Or go to their Instagram page. Tons of pictures of what's coming up, including them announcing their uh, next summer cheese class. That is uh, at their shop on White Oak Lane. That is July 14th, 6 to 7.30. But it's limited availability. Go ahead and reserve your spot now. It includes a uh, flour cheese press demo, a Soprasada folding demo, three ways to style your cheese, decorating with fruits and flowers, the charcuterie board building workshop, snacks, refreshments, and a dessert and you get to take your uh, finished product home with you at the end of the night. So 662-419-9201. You can email them at cheese at johnstonhillcreamery.com to secure your spot in the class. Again, that's July 14th, 6 to 730. That's uh, com. We had another no-hitter uh, lost in the night last night, this time from uh, the Dodgers' Tyler Anderson. Shohei Otani hit a triple with one out in the night to uh, to break that up. It happens. He... Uh, <laughs> It, it was a rocket. It was a 98.2-mile-an-hour uh, uh, exit velocity down the line that Mookie Betts was not close to at all, but he did die for it just for posterity's sake, and Anderson called it a nice gesture, um, but far away <laughs> when the game ended uh, because it, as soon as it left the bat, he knew that was that was going to be that yeah. there. Um, interesting thing, though, here, I mean, for, for seam heads, Anderson, 32-year-old left-hander, he signed a one-year $8 million contract after the lockout ended, and he reverted to a different changeup grip last night. Again, one outing, whatever. But this changeup resulted in nine of his thirteen swings and misses over the course of the game uh, last night for uh, for him. So you know, that's all that needs the Dodgers to discover yeah. this, this crazy guy that suddenly can get Some out. Thirty-two year old guy comes out of the stands and develops a changeup. Feels yeah. very St. Louis Cardinally, doesn't it? Yeah. Jason Marquis becoming some household name when he leaves the Braves. Uh, yeah. So anyway. First Dodger to lose a no-hitter in the ninth or later since Rich Hill um, did it in the 10th against the Pirates in 2017. That would suck. In the 10th. Yeah. Guys, come on. Come on. I threw score. a no-hitter. <laughs> How about you score, score one run? <laughs> yeah, you're, not, you're not speaking to your teammates for a little while after that one. Did you look at that link yesterday? You want all those concession items they – they, they they put up with the College World Series. Yesterday. I saw that your link. I have not looked at it yet. I was I was being careful not to look at food at that particular you don't need part fry, of the day. You don't need 
like three types of fried pickles inside a chicken sandwich that's fried in 103 degree first pitch weather on on, on Saturday. That's my thing, right? You know it, how hot it's going to be. You don't want to get like stuffed in that weather, do you? 14 inch Italian beef sandwich no. on, a, on, on a hoagie. Chicken and waffle fries, whatever those are. I don't Mm-mm. know. Mm-mm. They do have some cauliflower bites that somehow they even made that look really, really unhealthy. You know, um, they deep fry. What's the wings? It's the yeah, cauliflower yeah. wings, in quotes. Um, yes, I was like, hey, you're going to review all those, right? No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> not going to review all those. I don't think we're going to sit at a table. And... It's because everybody always picks on me for not eating that stuff, but you don't eat that stuff either. No, I mean, that's one that Mintz probably has to do over the course of the week, and he, I, I'm a little worried about him. We're going to take all that in yeah. over the course of the the, the the days. The chicken sandwich looked okay, actually. They, they do some ribs. I don't think I want ribs in the middle of the day at Mm-mm. the ballpark. That feels a little heavy. Um, Not where you got to sit and work yeah. and write and think and, yeah, talk to people. I didn't even have any orange soda in Hoover that night. I know you had to stay away from it. I didn't didn't do any orange soda at the game. I didn't have any at Media Days last year. It was there. It was there. Yeah. Yeah, avoided that and the Golden Flake dill pickle chips, which I really like. I do like But you those only too. get them at It's there. the only I mean, time, yeah. I mean, I guess they're at the grocery store, but do, I never t- think, "Hey, I want the Golden Flake dill pickles." It pickles. wouldn't taste the same. Oh, you think that's an environment thing? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like a beer and a hot dog's better at a game than not at a game. Yeah, for sure. Like how often do you at home go, you know what I want tonight is a hot dog. But you go to a baseball game or something, you're like, yeah, no, a hot dog sounds good. They're taking a bratwurst in Omaha and putting it on the burger. It's called like a brat bur- I don't know, something. Why not just put the bratwurst on a bun? They butterfly it, split it, and then put it on the burger. So you get the probably the half pound of meat and the bratwurst and the cheese. And oh, in addition to the yes, burger. Yes, the patty's still there too. But why? These are my questions. Probably blasphemy. I feel like the ice cream that's around the stadium is kind of overrated. Um, is it Zesto's or whatever it is? I don't it's, know. Yeah, it's like an institution there, but it was just ice cream. It's fine. Nothing. That, you a big ice cream guy? You know this. I'd rather have frozen yogurt. Yeah, I'm really strange. I, I admit it. No, it's fine. I mean, I would too. I mean, I don't hate ice cream. People take it right, right, right. No, I'm like, oh no, it sucks. No, but uh, just. I'd rather have yogurt. But I never like crave ice cream. I never think, gosh, I wish I had ice cream. If I want ice cream, cream I want a sundae with like a brownie. I want substance to it other yeah. than usually just like. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to do it, let's we'll do it. Do let's it. do it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Let's get the whipped cream and the nuts and the cherries and and, and have a party. So. I saw they were putting like the little baseball village together last night. I saw photos of all that, all that coming together. Be a massive crowd there. Oh, it's huge, yeah. I mean, I mean, town will be pretty packed. Probably be a good week to be a bartender there. I think the teams only got for Saturday. I want to say that, that through the official channels, they only got like six hundred tickets apiece or something. It's like a oh, really, really small number. Yeah, for now, family and stuff. Them. Yeah, now you can get them everywhere. When I mean, just no, like open to fans. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a pretty, pretty, pretty small number there for the most part. They're criticizing you. I know. I I knew it was coming as soon as I started talking. Fine. I mean, I like ice cream. Fine. I just don't ever think. I, I I never think to myself, God, man, I'd really love some ice cream. 
That's a thought that never goes through my mind. I don't know. You used to do that melted peanut butter yeah. stuff. Well, on I'm like whatever. you. If I'm going to do it, let's just go all out. Let's make this a total disaster. <laughs> but that's like don't once. Don't half-ass it. Like. Well, yeah, that's like once every two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're like, okay, here's some vanilla ice cream. All right, well, let's let's do this. Let's go crazy. I guess this is new. Um, I did not think we were going to go here today, but okay. I get. I guess I'm still logged into the MPW digital account on my phone that we don't use on Twitter, and I just for some reason got an alert that uh, Devontae Kincaid had tweeted, um, <laughs> and okay. he is the new quarterbacks coach at Grambling. Is University. he really? Um, again, oh, well, congratulations just, to Devontae. Again, just always enjoyed talking to him back in the day. Fine, yeah, good dude. But hanging out in Ruston some now. Oh, yeah. Five minutes. If that. Switchblade was nickname, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That Devontae? That's Devontae. Yeah. Uh, this is not a surprise because obviously Ole Miss has not had a uh, a ton of them. ESPN did a ranking the eight College World Series teams by all-time career war for all of their uh, professional players. Okay. Over the course of that, Ole Miss finishing, uh, or finishing, Ole Miss seventh on that list of the uh, of the eight teams. Who's first? Texas. Texas is number one. They have yeah. an overall war of drafted players at three sixty nine point nine. They've had seventy three major leaguers from the draft era. I mean, as I told you yesterday, thirty eight career College World Series appearances. They've had uh, one player go second overall. That's their highest drafted player, and then their top five war leaders: Roger Clemens, Bert Hooten, Greg Swindle. Uh, Bell, Brandon Belt and Shane Reynolds are the there. Who went number two? Uh, Swindle, okay. Cleveland, nineteen eighty six. So yeah, I remember yeah. when the Cubs selected Brooks Kieschnick from Texas, and I thought this is going to be awesome, and it wasn't. Uh, Stanford three thirty seven career WAR for their players, eighty four drafted players or major leaguers in the draft era um, yeah. for the uh, Stanford Cardinal. They've had a uh, Mark Appel go first overall, obviously. Oh, yeah. There for uh, for them. Mike Mussina, their top five war leader of all time. He was good. Jack McDowell, number two. He Bob Boone, number three. Yeah, yeah they've, 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 they've been they, they're, right. they're just stable there a little bit for the <laughs> yeah. Cardinal. Auburn, number three, um, 243, because when you can start off with Frank Thomas, Tim Hudson, and Josh Donaldson, you start yeah. making some headway You're doing there. doing some for things. The, uh, Greg Olson, the uh, former Braves catcher, also an Auburn yeah. Tiger there. David Ross. Uh, Terry Leach, their top five war for, uh, for that. Uh, Arkansas, number four, 239. They've had a first overall, Jeff King, in 1986 to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Cliff Lee, their top five war of all Oh, time. yeah. He was a hell of a pitcher. Kevin McReynolds, Johnny Ray, Dallas uh, Keuchel, and Jeff King. Who was the kid in 19 that was such a good hitter? Ben Attendee. No, not Ben Attendee. Um, he was a good hitter, oh, too. Oh, no. Um, 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 the outfielder. Herstead. Yeah. Herstead. Somewhere, I thought yeah. I read somewhere he's about to get called up. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma number five, 114. Their uh, highest ranked player, Bobby Witt, third overall, and John Gay, third overall as well. Um, John Gray, sorry. Top five war leaders, Jason Bartlett, Witt, Russell Ortiz, Bob Shirley. Uh, A&M number six. I'm going to three here. I know. Highest drafted player, Asa Lacey, actually. I didn't realize that from a couple years ago. Fourth overall to the uh, to the Royals. Oh, yeah. Their top, their uh, number one war leader all time, Chuck Knobloch. 
for the Texas. Oh yeah, yeah. Nabok was a stud. Yeah, Michael Waka, Ross Stripling, who were on the same staff, actually also on that list of top oh. five. Or I think they were on that twelve team that went one and two in the College Station Regional that Ole Miss finished second to TCU in. I think that was Waka and Stripling for oh, wow. on that team. Ole Miss at number seven, 102.5 career war for their drafted players, 31 major leaguers during the draft era. Um, highest drafted player, obviously, Drew Pomeranz at fifth overall. And then their uh, top five war leaders, and it shows you how much better they've been since Mike Bianco. Their top five, Lance Lynn, Jeff Facero, Zach Cozart, Pomeranz, and Seth Smith. Yeah, the, oh. uh, the top five for the Rebels. So four of the five from this era. Is Drew still in the bigs? I don't know if he's done or not, to be honest. I have not paid attention to that over the last year or so. Um, I know he was last year. I just didn't know if he was pitching yeah. this year. And then Notre Dame last, 98.9. They've had 23 major leaguers from the draft era. They've been to Omaha three times. It's their first time since Paul Maneri took them in 2002, I believe, is the uh, mm. the uh, the time frame for that. Their highest drafted players are all 17th overall, and they have three of them. That's kind of interesting. The number 17. Three guys went 17. Three at 17. Um, Ken Plesha, White Sox, 1965, Brad Lidge to the Astros in 98, and A.J. Pollock to the Diamondbacks in 2009 oh. are the three for them. Pollock, Craig Council, and Jeff Shamarja, their uh, top three overall war leaders for the uh, Notre Dame Finding Irish. So there's, uh, there's that. Um, Drew is pitching to the bigs, okay, but he's go. hurt. There you go. Well, we have not heard his name. Does that make sense? We, you and I will not have another show prior to Saturday. Just any final thoughts on, on the game? Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I think, I think, frankly, I think all, I'm ex- kind of looking forward to all four games. There's different things about all four games that I'm kind of curious to see. Um, I'm really interested to see Texas and Notre Dame for some reason. Really? For some reason, that one kind of has my attention. Um. I find myself kind of pulling for Notre Dame on that side of the bracket. Yeah, sure. I don't know why. I don't care. But yeah. I just sort of, yeah, let's upset the apple cart a little bit. I catch myself liking Schlossnagel. I okay. don't like A&M, but yeah. I like him. So okay. I'm a little torn there. Okay. And I've watched their team a lot this year. I like the way they play. Other than so slow that it was ready to make me want to put a yeah, uh, yeah. fork in my ear. I like just their – their determination, I guess. I don't know. I'd... Their their last game against Louisville was like four hours and 17 minutes or something. Oh, God. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like 4-17. That's on the umpire. Yeah, let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Let's do this. I, I, I realize we're in a big game, but let's play. Yeah. Let's go. I mean, you could stop that shit. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in Delucia in the ballpark because I think it fits him incredibly well. Um, he's pretty even keel. Got to get off to a pretty decent start. He sort of finds himself, but sometimes in the early innings he can be a little a uh, little erratic. The slider gets a little flat. So uh, I'm curious about him. I mean, he's the, he's going to dictate this game. If he pitches well, Ole Miss wins the game. Um, Agreed. I think they're going to hit enough. Um, it's just a matter of, frankly, Ole Miss's offense fits that park a lot better than Auburn's does. Yeah. Because Auburn's kind of to share and just sort of figure it out. Don't pitch to him. So, put him on. That's he me. clogs the bases. That's me. I don't. I don't throw to him. There was a really good post on our message board yesterday of a guy looking at how many times he had scored after being walked versus pitched to, and he doesn't really score that much when you walk him. Yeah, because they don't do a ton without him around him. So, but you make a mistake with the fastball to him, and wow. it's gone. Yeah, and he can hit it out of anywhere, and he can hit it out to any field. 
Mm-hmm. He's got real power. People look at his body and go, ah, oh, fat guy. No, he's more athletic than that. Yeah, he can hit. We'll go to Ben, uh, ben Mintz in one minute. We're there to tell you about G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. Med packs become increasingly popular, especially with those helping their parents manage their medications. You know, the people that need that extra step, basically a monthly pill planner. They're prepackaged by the pharmacy by date and time. Each morning pouch is followed by an evening pouch. And so on. The guys over at Tyson Drugs have been offering med packs for over a decade and available now in the Oxford community as well through GNM Pharmacy on South Lamar. Give them a call or visit today to get started or to move your medications. Again, that's 662-236-2222. We'll have a uh, post-game show on Saturday night. Chase will join on the phone. I'll take your calls. Go for as long as you kind of want to go. Um, we'll start immediately after the Ole Miss-Auburn game ends, no matter how it ends who wins as long as it's not like a 17 inning game or something, at which point you're on your own, you're yeah. on your own. <laughs> but if it's a traditional baseball game, we'll be here. We'll talk about it. And that'll be brought to you by the college corner. It's your one stop rebel shop, two locations in the Jackson area in uh, Ridgeland. It's next to fleet feet and Flowood. It's next to half shell. You can also go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Have a hand raised guys later today. It's brought to you by Comer heating and air. Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, um, Keith Carter and uh, Jeffrey Wright will join. Different names, same great products and services with Comer and Southern. But if you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer at 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern 662-429-4429. Lamons Fine Jewelry is at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. It's been serving the Oxford area for 73 years. From engagement rings to wedding rings, uh, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. ACS is owned and operated by my friend Clay McNutt in Baldwin, Mississippi. It is a complete electrical control system solution provider and a Rockwell automation recognized system integrator. They've got a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff. And uh, you can reach them at acsllcms.com or call 662-601-4381. Go to Game Changer Patches. Go to GameChangerPatch.com, enter the promo code REBELGROVE20, and you get 50% off right now at your, your purchase. The um, the only two-patch system available in the market right now to stop hangovers before they start, GameChangerPatch.com. Father's Day is on Sunday. You still have time to go to DeadSoxy.com, enter the promo code REBELGROVE for 35% off your entire order. Uh, stock up on a gift your feet will thank you for. Time and again at Dead Soxy. And we're brought to you by Holcomb Portable Buildings, 7991 Highway 7 South in Holcomb, Mississippi. At Holcomb Portable Buildings, they custom build your building to your specifications, however you want your carport, ATV or storage shed, barn, hunting cabin, or other buildings. Holcomb Portable Buildings can accommodate you. You pick the color, the style, the windows, and the doors, and Holcomb Portable Buildings makes it happen. In-house financing is available. There's free delivery and setup within 75 miles of Holcomb. For more information, give them a call, 662-226-2233, or go to HolcombBuildings.com. You can also find them on Facebook or Instagram at Holcomb Portable Buildings. We do have a uh, uh, great spot in the south that's up on um, 
podcast on that particular feed. I need to get that and put it in this feed at some point. But it is available on that feed. Uh, Jay's leaving town tomorrow, headed on one of his big excursions. So um, he won't be joining post-game shows or anything from Putacana. Not going to do that? I don't think he's going to do that. Um, we're going to go to Ben in a second. Quickly before we do that, I saw Keith Law, and this is a topic for after the cultural series. you got plenty of time. But he had a uh, a mock draft up. A couple of interesting pitching ones there. Connor Prelip at Alabama, who threw like 100 pitches his entire career, 28th overall. Um, it would have changed Bro- Brad Bohannon's career over the last two years to have Prelip. Sure. Um, Kumar Rocker, 34 overall after his uh, Must, There's got to be something wrong. And then uh, for Ole Miss, this is lower than I thought. I mean, I'm not going to tell you to start counting on him on campus or anything, but Jackson Ferris all the way down at 38. That is lower than I thought for the big left-hander um, at IMG. And if that held true, he'd have a decision to make. Yeah, and then you want this to go all the way around because Roman Anthony, the outfielder out of Stoneman Douglas, he uh, he's at 51, and that's not enough from a slot standpoint. Right. Now, they could overpay, but that's not enough. I think his number is just over two somewhere in there. And that's not quite there. So, well, this is the thing about the, this is the part of college baseball that's growing. It's everyone keeps going. What about mainstream? Why is it on TV? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but the part of it that is growing is that it's becoming, um, more commonplace for elite players to go to college and play for three years because minor league baseball has so dramatically changed since COVID. And then, speaking of Auburn, Sonny DeShera, 49 overall as a senior sign here. For uh, This is interesting. It says that uh, he demolishes left-handed pitching but has a hard time with right-handers who can land breaking balls in or around the zone. He has big-time trouble with it. He's turning 23 in August, but that given his skill set and his ability to hit, there's probably a uh, a senior sign in there at a much higher level than you would think. He's a real high-character guy, too. He, he's uh, He's very smart. He's more athletic than he looks, and, and you know a ma- and ever. you know a major league team looks at him and goes, "We could work on his body." Yeah, and then what does that mean? Yeah, right. Right. So, anyway, okay. Here's Ben Mintz on the Raptors' music and food hotline. Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports, better known as the guy who took on the Whistler at the SEC tournament, kind enough to uh, to join us. Here on the show, he's heading out. To, we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. By the time you see or hear this, he might be on his way to Omaha for the College World Series. Benjamin, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, just like any Ole Miss fan, I mean, you know, you saw the way, what was it, 40 days ago, you're 7-14 and 14 in the SEC. And, you know, I, I mean, what a roller coaster year. Honestly, if you weren't on the team or like a family member of a player on the team, you were, you were down on this team and everything. And to go from that 40 days later to, to Omaha is, I mean, I gotta say, I've been an Ole Miss fan a long time. This is my, like, this is my top three or four things I think has ever happened as an Ole Miss fan. Like that's how pumped I am about it. Really? That big. It's that big. It's also, I'm, and all that stuff. And like, I've gotten close with Tim Elko and so he's just such a good guy and everything he's done at the school and getting to see him finish his career like this is just, it's just, uh, I, I, it's phenomenal. I can't say it. No. Right, we're going to get to that in a minute, but I want to, I want to talk about your confrontation with the whistler. Take me through, uh, take me through what happened in Hoover that night. Okay. So look, it, I, I'm doing this college baseball content for Barstool. Nobody's following me because I know scouting reports or anything like that. Like you got Kendall Rogers, D1 baseball, that. 
So I'm, I'm here to show the content, the atmospheres, the fan bases, all that stuff. And, you know, the whistlers annoyed every person in the SEC for years. And so I was just like thinking before the Ole Miss Vandy game, I'm like, well, you know, what's, you know, what's the content here? And I was like, oh, I have to go after this whistler. Like, I just have to do it. I mean, he annoys me too, <laughs> but I knew also that the entire SEC is going to, I mean, this is going to be like the most popular move if I do this. And so started out before the game and I declared war on the whistler in my pregame video. And I had trouble finding him. I mean, I could hear the whistling coming from behind the Vandy dugout. But when I got close to their section, it was like the sound was tough. So somebody like pointed him out to me, but then he saw me stalking him out. And like I was originally planning to like, instead of confronting him directly, I was just going to like ear hole him with like the loudest, like yell, like right behind him and just shock him. That was my original plan. But then he figured out who I was, and then this kid was behind him that was on that video who was, like, on my Twitter and, like, pointing at me and all this stuff. So they catch who I am. So I'm walking – I'm behind home plate in the concourse, and that woman who was with him, who I said was his wife, and she was really offended that I said she was his wife. Apparently she was, like, a Vanderbilt staffer or something. <laughs> so she's, like, stalking me on the concourse behind home plate. She walks by me, like, three or four times. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay. And I've been waiting, like, what are we going to do here? And I'm like, you know what? The hell is it? Like, I'm just going to go confront this guy. I'm going to get in his face. I'm not going to use profanity. Like, I know I'm representing Ole Miss. Like, I'm not – I'm. don't know. I'm very conscious of that. I try to, like, not embarrass our school. Uh, but I'm just going to get in his face and just tell him that he's – the main words I wanted to use were disgrace to the Southeastern Conference. That was going through my head. I was like, I have to tell this guy he's a disgrace to the Southeastern Conference. And I was, like, thinking in my head, I'm like, okay. I'm going to go get in this guy's face. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Me get tossed out of this game? More people will click on it then anyway. Yeah. So I just can't get banned from SEC competition. And so I was like, well, as long as I don't drop any F-bombs or say anything too out of line, like what can they really – you know what I mean? Like what can they really do? A deep down and so I went down there and I said, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Your, your, your behavior is an embarrassment to everyone. You put your, you know, you're selfish. You put yourself above everyone you're around in every environment, which is ridiculous, and you're a disgrace to the Southeastern Conference. And that was what I said. You know, I mean, it needed to be said. A lot of people wanted to say it for over a decade. You know, they, they didn't like it, but, you know, whatever. I mean, I think it's on Tim Corbin and Vandy for allowing it. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I do too. I, at the tournament, I think it's it's on the SEC for allowing it. He, 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 oh. he, they could stop it. You could, you could absolutely go stop it. And for and for what I thought was interesting was I did you see Barry Nokla go after me on Twitter about it? No, I didn't. Okay, that was crazy because he's like a super well liked SEC Network announcer. And I mean, I have no beef with him. I think he does a really good job. I think he's an Oklahoma guy originally. Yeah. But he like came at me and was just like, "Was this really necessary? Did you get your point across?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Look how tone deaf ESPN and SEC Network looks coming at me here." And he got body bagged on Twitter for it. I'm talking, everybody was like, "Dory, you were, you know, well, it was, some of the responses were unreal. They're like, don't come at the king and stuff.'" I was just crying, laughing at it. But it was just so funny to see someone that's like pretty well liked, and I mean, people just dragged him. And it just showed though how out of touch SEC Network is because they promote this whistler. They yeah. treat this guy like he's some celebrity on the broadcast. I know. And, like, that whole thing going down really kind of shoved it in their face a little bit. And it, emp- it empowers the guy because he he's he thinks, oh, see, everyone likes me. And, and no, no, it's, you, you, you ruin the atmosphere. And it could be it could be so easily stopped. 
Um, I agree. And look, honestly, Neil, it raised my profile too. Uh, I, I just noticed, like, I mean, it got two two point eight million views. Um, and, and my only other video that was over a million was the Jack Leiter when I jinxed him in Omaha last year. So something about Vandy baseball, you know, what is it? You know, something about Vandy baseball just it somehow is getting millions of clicks. So who 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 knows? Vandy is not in uh, in in Omaha, uh, but half of the well. Really, if you think about it, if you start thinking about Texas and Oklahoma as SEC teams, and it's about time that we do, frankly, because you need to acknowledge what they're bringing to the league. Um, but four teams out of the SEC West, um, Ole Miss and, and uh, Auburn and uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas, all in the field. I'm guessing for, for you in terms of engagement and all of that stuff, that's pretty good news. Yes, it's, it's great. And the Tennessee... I do want to mention before we even talk about the teams in it, like, I mean, the 2022 Tennessee Volunteers, look, I know, I mean, I come at them, I mean, I, I buried them after they got eliminated on Twitter, but they did help grow the game. I'll give them that because it's like one of those things in college baseball, the worst thing that happens is when Stanford wins and 10 people care, you know, yeah. and that Tennessee, they went full heel. I mean, definitely pushed it too far. But like people cared, and I mean, what a what a wild season it was for them. And then just so funny to see them fall on their face in that super. I mean, just just one of the most sports karmic things I've ever seen. When you got players flipping people, you know, it's just teams that made it. Yeah, great. I mean, look at that one side of the bracket. You got A and M, Texas, and Oklahoma, all rivals, and then you throw Notre Dame in there, and. You know, Notre Dame hasn't been to Omaha in 20 years, and it's not – I don't think South Bend and Omaha are more than, what, six, seven hours? So, I mean, I think they ought to get a pretty good turnout. Uh, Texas – you know, Texas has made it 38 times in 75 years. I know the tournament used to be like 16 teams, but that's like – that's one of the craziest stats in sports. Yeah, they – made it over half the times. A dominant baseball program over the years, and that's, that's coming to the SEC. I mean, that's going to be uh, – that's – it's going to be fascinating to see whether the league is how they sort of fit. Do they do they immediately uh, rise to the top of the league, or do they struggle a little bit when they're playing an SEC schedule week in and week out? Maybe it's somewhere in between. I don't know. Yeah, the, the, well, the football they need to learn to, to need to learn to get some linemen because they get killed at the line of scrimmage with all the seven on seven flag football they play in Texas. But uh, baseball, I think they'll be good. And then finally, like A and M, so. I had some good gambling equity because Tennessee was such a crazy, crazy favorite that the long shot futures market was great on other teams. And man, Neil, the weekend, remember an AM won two out of three at Ole Miss to clinch the end of the year. I got AM at 60 to 1 from that last game. It went to 35 to 1 the next day. So I've got an Andy ticket pretty big at six, like 60 to 1 to win it. And then I added a at 25 to 1 before the Super Regional. So obviously, I want Ole Miss to win. I don't, you know, money will comes and goes. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the, you know, I'm pulling for AM on one side with that bet and then obviously Ole Miss on the other. And then the Ole Miss side, I think, look, 
Auburn, you know, people were questioning whether they deserved to host as a 14. They're coming in so hot. They destroyed everybody in that regional. But I do think it was a break that Auburn won against Oregon State solely because that jerpy, the Oregon State yeah. lefty eight pitcher, he's the best pitcher in the tournament. And Ole Miss has struggled against dominant lefties all year. So I think that's a big break for Ole Miss to play Auburn, uh, but just because the dodge that pitcher. You've seen these teams a lot, kind of. Right now, not, not yeah, not Stanford because the Pac-12. You can't watch the games. You got to stick behind a paywall. But yeah, I've seen everybody else. What do you think of the uh, Ole Miss Auburn matchup? How do you how do you sort of break it down? Well, they both got uh, Auburn's offenses uh, got red hot in that because you know Sonny DeCaro has been the, the big dude is like loved in college baseball. The Sanford transfer has been great all year, but the rest of that lineup uh, has really stepped up in the tournament. I feel like they got a ton of – Ole Miss and Auburn both kind of caught fire and have momentum. But I actually just think Ole Miss has a better pitching staff, to be honest. And I think when you look at, you know, Ole Miss's season, you didn't even know who the starters were halfway through the SEC. And now Dylan DeLucha and Hunter Elliott may be as good as one-two as anyone has in the entire country. And when either one of those guys are out there, Ole Miss has a good chance to win. So I feel pretty – you know, I feel pretty optimistic about it. I think, uh, you know, you look at Ole Miss – I mean, all year, DeLuccio, the Ole Miss was 7-3 and three on Friday nights. He held this thing together. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he, he absolutely. Striked him. And then Elliott, I mean, he's allowed one run in two NCAA tournament games. And so, you know, anytime those two guys are out there, I mean, I'm feeling really good about it. And I also think Ole Miss's side of the bracket, you know, might be a little, uh, a little weaker. If you're Ole Miss and you win on Saturday, who do you want to see on Monday, Arkansas or Stanford? I want to see Arkansas. Well, I mean, I want to see Arkansas just for the fan stuff because of how, you know, heated Ole Miss Arkansas has gotten through the years. And I think just playing in Omaha would be so, so much fun. Um, I just I just feel like Stanford's bad. Like, don't get me wrong. I respect I mean, they're one of the best athletic programs in the country. You know, they always compete in every sport, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they just don't have any fans. They're a tiny private school in California. It's it, They don't. Them doing well does nothing to advance college baseball whatsoever. And so I'd like to beat Arkansas, and I'd like to really watch out in case if there are any of their fans start behaving like I've seen before. There could, you know, there might be a running or two, and I'm all coming with that too. What What do you do when you get there? I know you're you're trying to create engagement and that kind of thing, but what what sort of are your plans? So we're flying out. We're going to go to the opening ceremony tomorrow night, which I think is just kind of a gold mine with all the teams and players and fans being there. Um, so we're going to that. I think we're going to pop around, watch game six of the NBA Finals at some bar and just check the scene in Omaha. Uh, actually going with Jake Arietta, former Cubs uh, ace, you know, Cy Young winner and world champion. It's him, me, Barstool Carl, and Casey Smith going for A&M. So we have a little crew. But uh, maybe going so, to uh, so there's a huge little league tournament. Like a what's up? I say, please tell Jake Arietta how much I appreciate uh, 2016, how much it meant to me, how much I appreciate his World Series wins. That I will forever, I will forever be a Jake Arietta fan. Well, well, there's supposedly the word on the streets. Jake and me and Carl are sitting in the Ole Miss section together Saturday night because we're trying to show Jake like what it's like to be a fan in Omaha because he's never lived this side of baseball. And he, him and Carl are the starting nine Barstool podcast. And so we're going to go see Jake and the Suns. There's this huge Little League, crazy 64-team tournament in Omaha that I guess is run with the College World Series and Jake's Suns 10 playing in it. 
So we're going to go see one of Jake's son's games in the morning, me and Carl, do some content. That'll be cool. Yeah. And then uh, – and then we're supposed to uh, – I'm going to go to A&M Oklahoma. I'm going to every game and going to just rip videos and walk. A lot of what's fun for me is just circling around the stadium and getting the engagement just because a lot's changed since I went out there last year and this year. I mean, I feel really good about everything. Um, but I'm going to go to A&M Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Texas, Bay, Arkansas, Stanford. And then, like I said, I think Jake and me and Carl are sitting in the heart of the old Miss section. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a lot of stuff with that Saturday and – it's just get it. I'm gonna, you know, try to get around, hit the tailgates, hit the bars, um, and just be doing clips all the time. We'll, we'll have some gambling pregame videos and picks, and then I'm taping a starting nine podcast with Jake and Carl uh, Saturday night after the Ole Miss game. It's gonna be a big thing, and you know, I know I'm interviewing Tim Elko and Kevin Graham again. When this airs, it'll already have happened. Um, I'm interviewing them again Wednesday night, and I've got some stuff. We got some stuff lined up with other coaches and players, so. We're not doing like a live show like we did last year because we didn't bring out quite as many people. But uh, I'm just going to go literally just go stir the pot and see what happens, and I'm quite confident it's going to work. How did you connect with Elko and Graham as much as you did? Was that something that was just uh, – The team – so I uh, when I came, what it really happened was uh, they already followed me from last year because I'm just doing the baseball Barstool stuff, and all the all college kids just love Barstool. It's just crazy. And I hit them up, and I took the team out because I have a good deal with walk-ons, and I, I took them all out and bought them walk-ons uh, early part of the season when I was in Oxford, when I was running around. Um, and we had a good time with that. And I love that I can, like, say this, and it's actually legal now, you know? I, mean, I know. <laughs> kids deserve a good deal, you know? Look how much money they bring into school. And so I kind of connected with them through that, and I knew Tim through last year. And then, you know, now we got the NIL shirt out, which has gotten a really good response because, I mean, Tim's done so much for Ole Miss. I mean, our fans – you know, I think it's the least we can do to try to support him. I mean, he's, you know, I really think he's been one of the most exemplary Rebel athletes I can remember. Um, and so I love that we do that. And they love Barstool and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, just kind of got into Kevin Graham and me, kind of same thing. So I love getting to do stuff with them. They're great. is one of the best people, too, Neil. Just getting to know him. He's a Christian. Great example for everybody. You know, just not always has a positive attitude. I mean, you look at this team this year. I talked about when they were 7-14 and 14 and everybody in the fan base gave up. I mean, it's a testament to him and his leadership that held this thing together. I mean, it has to be, right? Yeah, I mean, they were as close to toast as you can be at 7-14. and 14. I mean, they, they'd lost one series after another. They'd lost that Mississippi State series. They'd lost two out of three at Arkansas. And they were in trouble. I mean, you know, I do a show with Peyton Chatney every, every week and – Peyton said, yeah, we got to go seven and two. And that's hard to do in this league. I mean, you can play really well and not go seven and two in the SEC. I mean, you can run into, you know, they, they still had LSU down there and they had Texas A&M. I mean, you know, you could you could have played well and gone five and four or played well and gone six and three. And they had to get to seven and two. And it, it does. It speaks volumes to, to Tim and Peyton. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and Peyton's been – his tournament's just been spectacular. Yeah, he got going, and the whole lineup kind of got going when Graham got back and was healthy, and they found pitching, and and uh, Delucia was terrific, and Hunter Elliott just emerged as this kind of a star, and uh, they kind of found some bullpen arms that that uh, served as bridges a little bit better that I'm not sure they had in the middle of the year, and here they are. I mean, it's it's a great story. It's a remarkable story, frankly. It's a story that is so. Uh, it's such a good story that it it reads almost like fiction, you know, this team. that It does. It does. And what's so fascinating to me, and this is like the gambling side of me, but like 
Ole Miss has been on the wrong end of like so much close variance as far as making Omaha. Like you could have been three. They're one and seven. Well, they're two and six in supers now under Bianco. Could have easily been three and four or four and three, and they were one and six. You know, I mean, you've put yourself in so many good situations. You've sure. won game one multiple times. And so I feel like this year sneaking in as the 64th team and getting hot is almost kind of like getting back all the bad stuff that has happened to teams that were higher ranked in a way. It's like kind of like evening out in a way. How do you see the other side of that bracket checking out? Is there one team that you sort of have your eye on? I'll tell you what, I've been riding this Oklahoma team since they won the Big 12 tournament and then they went to Gainesville and they went to Blacksburg. This team that Bennett, Jake Bennett, their lefty ace, is really good. Kate Horton, their number two righty, is really good. And they got a closer, that Travers Michael guy, who's throwing like mid to high 90s, just hitting spots. I mean, looks like a major leaguer now. And I feel like any game that the combo of those guys are pitching with Peyton Graham, their shortstop, who's like the best player, one of the best players in the country, they're still being overlooked. And like they are freaking, they remind me of NC State in a way, like how hot they've gotten and caught it. I feel like they match up good against AM. It's like AM's a great story getting here, but their starting pitching is like dusty. I mean, it's not great. They have a good bullpen. They do an awesome job like working counts. But I don't know if you know Omaha is kind of a different game because the ballpark's bigger and you're playing more four two and five three games. Yeah. I don't know if AM's designed for that. So I kind of like Oklahoma in that first one. Uh Texas Notre Dame, Texas, I mean, they're I can't I can't say that they're they're easy to play in Omaha because they've got good pitching and play good defense. I mean, I kind of lean Texas, but Notre Dame's got like a lot of 23-year-olds because we still have people that have that extra eligibility from the COVID year. And I feel like Notre Dame's experience is a big thing. So that feels like it can go either way. But I feel like Oklahoma is being slept on a little bit on that yeah. side of the bracket is what I would say. I'm with you. I, I, I like Oklahoma over there because they're just so hot right now. And a part of me wonders with Notre Dame, because that series with Texas with Tennessee was so hyped and it was so emotional and they won the first game and they lost that second game and the third game was this crazy phenomenal game to watch where they they, they get it done and they celebrate and I don't blame them either they celebrate like they won the World Series and I, I, I don't blame them at all but you do wonder between that and all the stuff about their coach Link Jarrett probably going to Florida State. You wonder if maybe they don't quite have the juice when they get to uh, when they get to Omaha. I, I, I'm a little curious there. It'll be interesting because they haven't been there in 20 years. And then you mentioned the Tennessee celebration, but you know, I feel like a big part of them winning in Knoxville was them losing in three games and starting last year. You know, they they pushed State to three games. That was a really close super. We saw State end up winning it all. Uh, I felt like that experience maybe prepared them for Knoxville. But I, I do think Link Jarrett's going to Florida State. I think I would be surprised if he didn't, uh, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's hard to read. I'm curious how many of their fans will show up, too. That, that's interesting to me. You know, do they care about college baseball? They have a national fan base, uh, et cetera. Texas, their ace, Pete Hansen, that lefty, is really good. He pitched bad against East Carolina. I kind of feel like a bounce back effort may be coming Uh Friday night for him. He seems like one of the better pitchers in the country. I'd be surprised to see him get rocked twice in a row. You've talked a lot about growing the game. That's been your thing. Do you sense that the game of college baseball is growing? Oh, yeah. Well, it's just like a strategic thing. Like, like I said, I'm very transparent. My baseball career ended in right field at 14 years old. You know, like, <laughs> what do I know? You know, I'm a, just a fan. I grew up watching LSU baseball in Louisiana. I've been out in left field at Swayze and right field as a student. I've supported it since, like, 01. You know, I've just been in on all of it. 
And I just saw this big opportunity at Barstool. Like, I know how much people care in the SEC about college baseball, and, like, no one was doing anything with it. I'm like, and I still can't believe Brandon Walker, who had the whole Mississippi State fan base behind him, didn't see that when he came in. Like, he literally has the, the like, one of the top college baseball fan bases, if not the top one. And he, like, left it. Like, what What was he doing? You know, and he's done a lot of great things at Barstool. But I just was really happy that he hadn't already jumped on that because I kind of got to make it my thing. Um, but the thing I try to show is, like like I said, I mentioned Kendall Rogers and D1 baseball. You want to know pitching rotations and scouting reports, you can go there. What I'm trying to show is the vitriol between the fan bases, you know, taking to the streets, the rowdy atmospheres, like stuff like the Vandy Whistler thing. You know, there's all this cool stuff going on in college baseball the nation just doesn't know about. And I'm going way more like the barstool angle and then also pushing the gambling angle. And I think it's working really good. Uh, what's really also helped me is we've got these barstool college accounts and, you know, Ole Miss has one of barstool Ole Miss accounts. And I interact with the barstool Arkansas and the barstool Tennessee accounts. And you're reaching all these college kids, you know, you're reaching your demographic. Yeah. That and so that really has helped me on Twitter. And like the, anytime I tweet about Tennessee, I get 800 likes and stuff. I mean, the, it was really crazy uh, how, how the Twitter engagement's gone up. So, you know, I think it's working. You know, I, I also think we're going to see teams, you know, Ole Miss obviously has already expanded, but I mean, I think, you know, Tennessee and Texas AM and all these people are about to have stadiums that are 10, you know, they're going to keep expanding. It's going to keep building. So, you know, I think it's still kind of just tip of the surface on, on what it could become. And, you know, I, I just feel like I would be an idiot not to take advantage of that. If I'm the South guy at Barstool, I mean, how can you not draft college baseball? What would uh, – we saw Mississippi State win a title last year. What would an Ole Miss title mean to you? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I didn't get to go to Omaha in 14 because it was right when I left uh, New Orleans. I came back to school in Oxford in 14. And, I mean, I, I barely had a pot to pee in at that point. So I was just happy to have a roof over my head when I left the poker world. And so uh, – Honestly, just seeing them in Omaha on the field is like at the top of my bucket list of things I haven't got to do. And I've got to do so much. St. Super Bowl and been in the World Series and, you know, National Championship Game Masters. I mean, I'm one of the luckiest people in the world, and I know that. But getting to see Ole Miss play in Omaha is so special to me. And the fact that it's, you know, Tim Elko leading it and everything that's happened with that, uh, what a title would mean. It would be – you mentioned the state thing. I mean, it would be just the greatest irony, but – I gotta be honest, I, I wouldn't be shocked at this point. You know, I would have earlier, but like Ole Miss is hot and has that one-two pitching combo. And I think the bracket, look, I don't let the Rebs get hot like Tim said, but if they win it, I mean, I think it'll be one of the greatest moments in the history of the school, of modern history of the school. You know, it has to be. I mean, I know the football team back with Johnny Vaught, you know, they won some national titles, but I think, you know, what college baseball has become a national championship, what it would mean for the school. I mean, I don't think you can even put it to words, literally. I'll just sit there in shock for like two weeks. <laughs> well, Ben, as always, man, it's good to be, good to catch up with you. Have a safe trip to Omaha. We'll be following you on uh, on Twitter and everything. And anybody Ole Miss fans uh, that are doing tailgates or hitting bars or anything, DM me. Let me know where you're at. I'm trying to get out, meet as many people as I can, do some content. You might end up on a Barstool video. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, can't wait. Neil, always thanks for having me. I've really just enjoyed getting to know you and coming on here uh, the last couple of years. Same here, my man. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, And that's our uh, that's our show for today. Appreciate uh, Ben Mintz, Brian Matthews. Uh, we'll have hand raised guys a little later on uh, today. Keith Carter, Jeffrey Wright join on that show, and then I'll be with you on Saturday night after Ole Miss and Auburn. 
and uh, we'll do a post-game show. Take your calls, talk to Chase from Omaha, and um, go from there. So have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.